Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. Good morning and welcome here. If you haven't met me before, my name's Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. And this summer, there's, there's three things that I'm really excited about. The first of which is our family camp coming up. That's always a highlight of the summer for me. But two of the other things that I'm excited about this summer are Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. I really like superhero movies, especially Spider-Man. Spider-Man's really cool to me because Spider-Man, he, he wasn't really like, he doesn't, his superpowers came in an unexpected way. You know, he's touring the Oscorp facility and this spider gets loose and the spider bites him and he has no idea that at that moment, his life has changed completely. He gets bit by this spider, no idea, and he just kind of carries on. But then one morning, he wakes up, and if you've seen the, the older Spider-Man movies, pre-Marvel Universe, you, you might remember this scene where Peter Parter wakes, wakes up, and he goes to put on his glasses, and suddenly everything's blurry. And he takes off his glasses, and he can see, and he puts on his glasses, they're blurry. And then all of a sudden, he shoots webs out of his hands, and he destroys his sink, and he's like, what's going on? What's, what's different about me? See, I like that scene because he is discovering an ability that he didn't know that he had. And that's what we're doing in this series together that we started last week and we're continuing this week. We're doing a series called Giver and Users. And we're talking about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us and how do we use those spiritual gifts. So just like Peter Parker, we've all been bitten by a radioactive spider and we have abilities that we may not know that we have. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're digging into these gifts together to talk about what does this mean? How do we learn to use these? What's the purpose of them? And the foundation of this all goes back to Jesus's ministry during his time on earth. And Jesus's ministry, it didn't begin until the Holy Spirit descended upon him at his baptism. He didn't do anything remarkable for the first 30 years of his life. It was only after that that the Holy Spirit descends on him and Jesus starts his ministry of traveling and teaching and revealing who God is to the people. And everything that Jesus did was the result of the Holy Spirit empowering him. And the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus, that did everything in scripture, is the same Holy Spirit that empowers us with spiritual gifts today. And so that's what we're on. We're on this journey of embarking how do we discover these spiritual gifts and what they mean and how they shape us and how we relate to one another. And so here's the the starting point is this definition. Spiritual gifts are a specific ability that's given to all followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit for the sake of ministering to one another. That means that these gifts have a purpose. They have a, a way that we're meant to use them to build up the church, to minister to one another, to care for one another. And Paul, in his writings to the early churches, he he had to write quite a bit about this topic because it was a little confusing at times. And so the churches were asking him questions and he would write letters back and he would try to explain them. And then we can learn from those letters today. And so we're going to be mostly in Paul's letters today as we go through this. And here's one, one of the starting points. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, Paul writes this. He says, but our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there's many parts, but only one body. And what he's getting at here is this idea that our spiritual gifts, the unique ways that God has empowered us to care for, to minister, to do things, to further God's kingdom, 
are like a body. There's all different gifts in all different parts, and they're all interdependent on each other. There's no one gift that's more important or more special than any other, but these gifts together are like all the parts of our body. They're all different parts, but we need all of them in order to survive and do what we do. And so that's the foundation of this, that all these spiritual gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit for the sake of ministering and caring for one another, to build up the church, and they're all interdependent, and they rely on each other. And so in this series, we're kind of basing on a lot of work that other scholars and and pastors and theologians have done, and, and we're categorizing the gifts into three groups. And so we're calling these three gifts love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts. And so today we're on this grouping called love gifts. And we're going to talk about the four love gifts that are designed to empower us of how do we reveal God's love to one another. That's the purpose. That's the heartbeat of these four gifts. And so as we're going through this, you might start suddenly realizing, you know, I think that one might be part of me. I think I might actually have that one. Or you might be thinking, no, none of these are me. But if none of these are us, then there's still something for us to learn. How do we still act in loving ways to one another? If you don't have a love gift, that doesn't mean it's like, oh, I don't have to love people. I can be a jerk to everyone. It doesn't work that way. So here's the four love gifts that we're going to talk about today. The first one is guidance, or sometimes it's called administration. We're going to talk about the gifts of helps. Sometimes that's called serving, mercy or compassion. And lastly, the gift of giving. And if these aren't your gifts, these are spiritual disciplines. These are practices, things for us to learn. How do we live these out? Because if you have this as a spiritual gift, these are things that just come easy to you. You know, you might not even realize you have a spiritual gift because you think, well, isn't it just this easy for everyone else to do this? Well, no, it's, it's not. It's that way because it's a spiritual gift for you. So let's dive into this first one, the gift of guidance. And Paul, a little later on in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. And in the list, he says, those who have the gift of guidance. Now, if you have your Bible out and you're reading this, your Bible might actually have a different word there instead of guidance, because a lot of translators have chosen to put leadership in there. But leadership is actually a different gift than guidance. You see, when Paul wrote this, he used a Greek word that only appears once in all of the New Testament. And if we directly translate that word to English, the Greek word is helmsman. And when Paul talks about the gift of leadership, he uses the Greek word for leadership. And so these are separate gifts that Paul kind of splits apart. And he says, one is the gift of guidance that he uses this term, this gift of helmsman, which sounds a little confusing at first. And the gift of leadership is a separate thing. So what is this gift of guidance or gift of helmsman? Well, someone who's a helmsman, their task on a ship is to take the will of the captain or the will of the ship owner and figure out the plan of how do we actually get where you want to go. So if the captain of the ship says we've got this load of goods that has to go to the port of Thessalonica, the helmsman is the one who figures out, okay, well, this is the route we need to take. And the helmsman role is to build the plan to execute the captain's vision. The helmsman's role is to guide the ship to go and do what they need to do. And so people with the gift of guidance are people who are uniquely empowered to help other people discover their next step and the path forward for them to take. So people with this gift of guidance, they're oftentimes people that need to be part of a team. 
because they love working together with people and seeing a group of people together accomplish and succeed at some bigger task, bigger goal, bigger mission, because that's their unique empowerment by the Holy Spirit. That's what they've been given. And we see this example earlier on in Scripture, in the book of Acts, when the church was just growing and there was, they had this food program that they set up to care for the widows and the orphans. And the, what was happening was these widows were feeling like they were not being cared for equally, that the, the Greek-speaking widows and the Jewish-speaking, uh, Jewish widows were being treated differently. And so this is what the apostles did. In Acts 6, they called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend the t- our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Now, those seven people they chose weren't chosen to do everything. They were chosen to administer, to guide, to shape this program, to ensure that the widows that were needing food assistance were being treated fairly. This is an example of that gift of guidance working out. See, people with the gift of guidance, you might recognize them because they make excellent managers, they make excellent supervisors, they make really great counselors and coaches. Any type of role where you are there to help someone discover their plan and figure out how to execute it, how to move forward, that's where people with guidance gifts excel and do amazing things. But one of the things that sometimes happen is, is people with the gift of guidance can also be easily frustrated And we may accidentally frustrate them and tick them off without knowing it. And one of the ways is when we expect them to say, well, no, you should be that that captain of the ship. Instead of being the helmsman, you should be the captain deciding where we go from the get point. And someone with the gift of guidance will actually kind of resist that and say, no, no, I want to help execute your plan and your vision. Let's figure it out together. And when we force someone with the gift of guidance to kind of step into that key leader role, they often... Well, they'll spend most of their time thinking, okay, who do I need to put in place to replace me? Because that's what their gift is pushing them to. The second way that we can sometimes frustrate someone with the gift of guidance is if there is any lack of clarity. If things are really like just fuzzy and like, we don't know where we're going, we don't know what we're doing, people with the gift of guidance will just want to check out because they're like, I can't work with fuzziness because my role, and I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to shape people towards a goal. And if we don't know what that goal is, people with the gift of guidance are like, well, let's, you know, they'll want to grab you by the neck and say, let's sit down and figure out the goal before we start moving anywhere. Because this gift of guidance is a critical one because it shapes and it administers the church. And this is what we're going to learn is every single one of these gifts is critical. And we'll start seeing how they relate and how they depend on each other. So the second gift after there's the gift of guidance, the next gift I want to talk about is the gift of helps or serving. And in Paul's letter to the Roman church, he says this, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. So the gift of serving is a desire that's been given to you by the Holy Spirit and an empowerment to help one another. So people with the gift of serving often find joy in serving and will be the people that look for always, how do I help? How do I jump in and help that person achieve what they're working on? And oftentimes, these people have this picture in their mind that no matter what the task is they're doing in the moment, they see it as a piece of the bigger picture. That no matter what role they're doing in that moment, 
it's about something bigger. It's about something larger than them. See, people with this gift of helps, and, and actually, I, I think this, that this is actually the most common spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gives. That oftentimes, or maybe sometimes this is a secondary gift where you may have a primary gift, and then sometimes the Holy Spirit gives like a secondary gift, and so you may have one of the other gifts and this one, because it is so common and so prevalent because it's so important in the church. And it's saying, how do we help one another achieve what's going on? Now, you may realize that you have the gift of helps when you kind of have this mentality that there is no such thing as a job that's beneath your role. Of saying, no matter what the task is, whatever needs to get done, I'm willing to jump into it and just get that piece done because it's part of the bigger picture. It's part of moving things forward. Now, along with that, you may know that you're a helps person if sometimes you're really terrible at delegating. Because people with the gift of helps, because they think no job is beneath them, they'll often be the one to say, well, I can just do that. I can do that. I can jump in. I can fill that role. And so instead of finding you know, someone else with the gift of helps or someone with the, the gift that matches that role, they'll sometimes overexert themselves and you know, kind of be terrible at delegating because they think, well, I should just be the one to do it. And in fact, this is where people with the gift of help sometimes get themselves in a little bit of trouble. Because let's go back to what Paul said for a second. He said, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. People with the gift of helps often struggle with having healthy boundaries because you feel like you want to say yes to everything. So if you're sitting here and you realize for a second I'm the person that says yes, no matter what the question is. Usually I say yes before the question is finished. You might have the gift of helps. It also means that you need to start looking for how do you build healthy boundaries? Because if you say yes to everything, eventually you're saying no to your own health. And spiritual gifts are not meant to burn us out. In fact, when we understand the capacity and the boundaries of our spiritual gifts, we actually prevent ourselves from getting overwhelmed. We prevent ourselves from burning out because of this gift. If you feel like you are being overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you're getting burnt out, what you have to do is you have to take a step back and say, okay, how's my connection with God? How's my faith doing? Because all of these gifts are an outpouring of the Holy Spirit working in us. And if we're not focusing on our own walk with God, if we're not focusing on how the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we'll overextend ourselves and overexert ourselves. And maybe if, if this is something where you're sitting here and you're thinking, I might be in that burnt out phase, I want to ask you to do something. If you go to our website and you go to our podcast and you go to about a year ago, we did a series here. We'd spent four weeks. We call it Overwhelmed. And we talked about what to do when you are in the early stages or in the depth of burnout. And it's called overwhelmed. And I want to encourage you to go back and find that if that's where you're, where you're at. But when you have the gift of helps, and when you live in this one, this one is so deeply fulfilling. Because you get to see how every little task, no matter how small it is, no matter what it is, is part of people encountering Jesus. How it's part of helping people come to faith and recognize God's love for the first time. And that is what's so powerful about this spiritual gift, is it takes all of us working together in our spiritual gifts, especially the people with the gift of helps, to make this happen. 
And so the third of the love gifts is very similar to helps, but there's a key distinction that that we need to recognize. So people with the gift of mercy uh, or kindness are drawn towards alleviating the suffering of others through showing care and compassion. And so when people with the gift of helps are focused on, let's get this task done, let's move this forward, let's create an awesome experience where people can connect to Jesus. People with the gift of mercy are the first ones when they hear that someone, you know, is going through a difficult time or there's been a death in the family or a loss of some time. They're the first ones thinking, okay, how do I help that person? How do I show care to that person in this moment? And then this is where uh, there's kind of this neat interplay happens. If you've, you know, if you were here with us in December, we talked about the five love languages. We talked about how all of us have ways that we naturally give and receive love. The way someone lives out their mercy gift will be very different depending on what their spiritual gift is and also just depending on kind of who you are as a person. So if you are, you know, someone who loves to cook and loves to bake, your way of living out the gift of mercy, if you have that gift, might be you're the first one that shows up with food. You know, if your gift is, you know, spending, you know, if your love language is quality time, you're the one that says, you know, how can I, you know, can I take you out for a coffee? Can I just talk this through with you? Can I just you know, be there to listen. Or if your love language is acts of service, you know, your way of living out mercy might be like, hey, you know, can I come and clean your house or something? Can I come and do something for you so that you don't have to worry about that right now? That's some of the ways that the gift of mercy may come out. It comes out in different ways based on who we are as unique individuals in the way that God has created us. But just like the gift of helps, there's a bit of a warning that Paul gives in this. Because he says, and if you have a gift for showing kindness or mercy to others, do it gladly. See, the unhealthy side of mercy is resentment. If you are overexerting yourself, if you are kind of similar to the person with the gift of helps and you can't say no or you can't understand what the boundaries are because you just are so full of love and compassion that you start letting your own health and your own walk with God slip, the first thing that builds up is resentment. And resentment blocks the gift of mercy. If you start to resent the person that you are trying to help and care for, you won't be effective in your spiritual gift. And it's this warning sign of saying, no, no, you need to take a step back for a moment and say, how do I connect with God? How do I let my walk with God fill and encourage me? And maybe, there's, maybe you need the help of someone else with the gift of mercy to walk with you for a season of saying, how do I get back to a place of health? so that I can come back into my spiritual gift and we can live in it well. See, each of these spiritual gifts, if we overexert, if we overextend, if we dive into them too far and we forget that they come out of an outflowing of the Holy Spirit that needs to constantly be refilled, we can sometimes get ourselves in trouble. And so these love gifts are ones that we need to be aware of, that even in the way we're wired, sometimes we push ourselves too far. And we need to make sure that walk with God is strong. And so the last of these four love gifts is the gift of giving. And Paul says this in Romans 12, 6 to 8. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then later on the list, he says, if it is giving, give generously. Now, you might be wondering, so why is, is giving a spiritual gift? Isn't that something that's for all of us? And well, here's where the, there's something slightly different between the spiritual gift of giving and the way that Scripture and Jesus' teachings constantly call all of us to live out 
generosity is there's a, there's a unique thing that happens with people who have this gift of giving. And this is the definition that I'm kind of working from on this one of saying the spiritual gift of giving is the combination of three things. It's pure motives, desire, and capacity to financially support the message of Christ reaching more people. So there's three words and three phrases in there I want to drill down on for a second. You know you have the gift of giving when there is this deep, pure motives. And all of us can learn from this of saying, what are our motives when we give? Because someone with the gift of giving gives with absolutely no desire for kickback. It's not like, I'm going to give this money and God, you better give me something nice in return. It's not that at all. It is purely giving for the sake of God's message moving forward towards more people. And this desire is often, uh, this is like a, it's a compulsion, basically. It's, you know, it's that kind of thing where when you, uh, you know, you get an unexpected bonus from work or you, you know, you get some money coming in you weren't expecting. And the first thought in your mind is, where can I give part of this away? You know, you're not thinking about what you want for yourself because people with the gift of giving often have very simple lives are saying, how do I actually take part of this? How do I give it away? That's the first thought that comes to your mind. You're like, you get something you're like, oh, I could bless this by giving that part away. If that's the first thought in your mind, you might have the gift of giving. And then capacity is an interesting one because people with this gift of giving tend to be the people that just either through learning and through discipline or they just have an understanding of finances in a better way, they tend to be people who are very good at managing finances. You know, maybe it's something that was taught, maybe it's just something they've learned through trial and error, but it's something they've learned to how do I manage what I have well so that I can maximize what I'm able to give away. And sometimes this capacity comes out in ways that when we live in this and when we're constantly demonstrating that we want to give, sometimes God blesses people with the gift of giving in crazy ways that seem unlikely. The kind of people that just get promotions that no one has an idea why they got that promotion or they get, you know, windfalls and a bonus check shows up because they've demonstrated to God constantly, time and time again, that they've been faithful with little. And so God gives them more. In fact, Jesus taught about this near the end of his ministry. He told this parable, which is a story to illustrate a point from Matthew 25. And what he actually, let me get to that in a second. What happened with this parable was there was three servants and the master goes away on a journey and he calls his three servants before he leaves. And he gives the first one, he gives them five bags of silver and says, here, I'm going to be gone for a long time. Take this five bags of silver, do something with it. The second servant, he gives him two bags of of silver, says, do the same thing, you know, make something of it. And the third servant, he gives one bag of silver and says, do something with this. I'm out of here. The master leaves for an undetermined length of time. And then he comes back and he calls those three servants to him. And the servant that had five bags of silver comes and says, look, here's the original five. I invested it. Here's five more. Here's 10 bags of silver that they give back to the master. And the second servant, the same thing happens. He comes, he says, here's the two bags of silver you gave me. Here's the two more that I made by investing and using that money wisely. But the third servant He had a different approach. He took his bag of silver and he buried it. And so when the master showed up, he went to his hiding hole, dug it up, and came back to the master and says, here's your one bag of silver. I didn't want to lose it, so I buried it and I hid it. And so the master responds by saying, why didn't you at least put it in a bank so I could have gotten interest? 
He wanted him to do something with it. And so he takes the one bag of silver away from that servant and gave it to the servant that originally had five that now had ten. And Jesus summarizes by saying this. He says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. When you have the gift of giving, this is a gift that the Holy Spirit empowers you to use. And oftentimes when you start walking in this gift and learning how to use it and learning how God wants to empower others through this gift, God sometimes pours out blessings in ways that you would have, you know, it will completely surprise you because you've demonstrated you've been faithful with a little and so God wants to give you more so you can be faithful with more. And this is always to a purpose. This is always to an end goal. It's not just that giving is the goal. It's what the giving empowers. And earlier on in Jesus' ministry, there's these three little verses that tell us this one little detail about Jesus' ministry and the time he had with his disciples when he was walking on the earth. And it's from Luke 8, verses 1 to 3. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. See, Jesus spent three years. Jesus, 12 disciples, 13 guys, spent three years. And this group of women were the ones who financially enabled and empowered Jesus to do what he had to do. See, Paul, later on in his ministry, he took the same approach. He was funded by the churches. And when that funding ran out, he picked up a trade, and he would go work as a tent maker, and he would work as a, uh, and, and build tents and sell them in order to provide for him to continue traveling and preaching the gospel. But what he always kind of came back to was when the churches were funding Paul, he was able to do more. He was able to travel more. He was able to speak more. He was able to spread the message of Christ further when he was empowered and supported by people that had the gift of generosity. So here's where this kind of comes down. We may be thinking, well, I don't have that gift of giving, so I'm off the hook. Not exactly. Because as a follower of Christ, and if you're here and you're just checking things out and you're saying, I don't know what I believe about this whole Jesus thing, you're completely off the hook on this one. I'm not speaking to you in this moment. I'm speaking to those of us who have chosen to trust our lives to Jesus. If we're a follower of Jesus, then generosity is a discipline for those of us who don't have the spiritual gift of giving. And Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthian church that he wrote later on, he gave them some instructions that are are really great that we're going to spend a quick moment going through before we wrap up. So when Paul was writing to to the Corinthian church again, he said this, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and also your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. And then he gives some instruction for this. He says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean Your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. So let's summarize what Paul just said in those three verses. Generosity means giving eagerly, 
meaning we give with joy, we give with a choice. And another part of this letter, he says that you should set aside the amount you want to give at the beginning of the week, that it's a choice to give at the start. It's putting that first, not just giving out of what's left over at the end of the month, but saying this is something that's a, a something I'm eager to do that I want to do at the beginning of what I have available. Then he says, give in proportion. You should give according to what you're able to do. Giving in proportion means, uh, and the way that my wife and I live this out in a way that many people here choose to live this out is to say that we pick a percentage for ourselves. And we say, I'm going to choose to give a percentage because that way that percentage always grows with whatever our financial situation is. That percentage is proportional. And lastly, Paul says, give with a plan. Set it aside to the beginning of the week. Give with a purpose. Give with a desire of knowing that this is what it leads to. This is what it means to live out generosity as a discipline. And people that have the gift of giving, that have been given that gift by the Holy Spirit, you just tend to excel at this. And it's an amazing thing to see how that empowers and how that moves the gospel forward. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't know how to give with a plan. We have an awesome event coming up that Mac was telling us about earlier, Budgeting 101. If you're feeling like you don't know how to track money in, money out, you have no idea how to do that, come to that workshop. It's going to be an hour and a half, two hours tops of your time, and you are going to learn so much about how to build a plan for your finances and how that can free you to do more with your funds. So that's coming up. Get your ticket. It's going to be an awesome evening. So these four love gifts that we've talked about today, guidance, helps, mercy, and giving. We're going to end our service by taking a moment to pray about this. Because maybe as we've been going through these gifts, you've had a few moments of thinking, I think maybe that one's me. Or maybe you kind of get to the end of your like, nope, none of these are me. Well, here's what I want us to be open to. If you think that none of these gifts are yours, you might be wrong. And that's okay. Because these, when, this is one of those areas where you want to be wrong. Of saying, you know, Holy Spirit, I don't think I have one of those gifts. God, I don't think you gave me one of those. Maybe God did. And so we're going to end our service, and I'm just going to pray for you. And what, this is what my prayer is going to be. My prayer is going to be that over this week, and over kind of this next month, that you would see the opportunities that God has put in front of you to live out your gifting, whichever one of these ones it is. Or maybe if one of these is not your gifting, there's still two more weeks and two more categories of gifts that we're going to go through, and maybe it's one of those. But I want to encourage you to lean in. I want to encourage you that when you think, when I'm doing something, maybe this is a spiritual gift. Maybe it is. Don't just dismiss it off as, you know, my parents taught me I should help people. Maybe it is a spiritual gift, and it's something to lean into. So let's take a moment. Let's pray together. God, you saw fit to give us spiritual gifts. You saw fit to empower the church to still stand 2,000 years later and to continue standing till you return for this sake that your name and your love would be known to everyone on earth. That is your hope. That is your goal. And Lord, as we talk through these spiritual gifts, would you help us to be receptive to your voice? Would you help us to recognize when you are calling out one of these gifts in our lives? Would you reveal and show that to us? And so, Lord, I pray this week there would be opportunities in each of our lives for these spiritual gifts to be lived out. And I pray that when we act, you know, this spiritual gifts come with an ease to them 
because it's you working through us, I pray that you would help us recognize that that is coming from you, that this is a spiritual gift and that you have ways for us to lean into this, to push forward, to walk in step with you so that others may come to know you. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be receptive to your Holy Spirit this week, that we would see the opportunities for these love gifts and see the ways that they are interdependent and they rely on one another so that we can show your love to the people that you love. In your name we pray, amen. Now folks, next week we are going to dive into the second category. We're going to talk about word gifts. But this week I want to ask you to do something. If you head to our website and you go to our In the Loop page, which has all the information of what's coming up, right at the top there's a link called Discussion Questions. And there is so much more about this topic that we could go into that we don't have time for on Sunday morning. So I want to encourage you to download that list of discussion questions, to read through the scripture passages. If you're in a life group, this is an amazing thing to wrestle through. If you're not in a life group, I think you should sign up for one. I don't know when we have our next one starting, but life groups are amazing. But if you're not in a life group, maybe this is something to sit and talk about with your spouse or with a friend over coffee and start saying, you know, which one of these gifts maybe stands out to me? Where might God be empowering me to live this out. So I want to encourage you to do that this week. And next Sunday, uh, 11 o'clock, we're going to dive into word gifts. So folks, I hope you have an amazing Sunday, an amazing week, and we'll see you next week. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.